This podcast has been underwritten by Cape Cod Healthcare because investing in the arts creates a healthier community. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast, a series of elevated conversations with Cape Cod creatives. This project is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television, recorded at the Night Owl Recording Studio at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. It is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation here on Cape Cod, seeking to reveal the successes, challenges, and experiences of local artists. Above all, it is a reminder that arts matter in our community. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, continuing our exploration of the process. On this episode, we're talking to James Barnes, local storyteller and director of social enterprise at Cape Abilities, about the process of sharing your story. Capabilities is a nonprofit that supports over 400 adults living with disabilities on Cape Cod. By day, James oversees businesses that produce flowers, vegetables, and opportunities to have a meaningful workday. When he's not navigating the collision of human service and agriculture, James likes to tell stories about his colorful upbringing, the struggles of farming, and the horrors of being trapped in vacation land. He's appeared in dozens of story slams, including The Moth Boston, The Moth Grand Slam Boston, and The Story Collider Boston. James is a self-proclaimed late bloomer and probably likes tomatoes more than you. Welcome, James. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So, Amy, what are we going to learn today? What are you interested in learning about storytelling? Well, I want to know, how do you know when you have a compelling story and how do you uh, make that bit of compelling information into a really great story. And what do you want to learn, Julie? Storytelling is so important, especially these days with our businesses, our careers, our social life. And um, so storytelling is really a skill that I think we should all be working towards. And um, But we don't teach it at school. And um, so it's kind of a lost art, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, So I want to learn about building those skills and why it's important in our personal lives, our careers, our businesses, and our social circles about the ability to tell a good story. So welcome, James. What do you think? Can you talk about this stuff? Uh, I'll do my best. I think um, we'll do this naturally as good stories are told naturally, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What makes a good story, James? Well, to um, touch on what Amy said, I think for me with stories, it always starts with a feeling, like something that happened to me at one time. And it might even be like today something happened and uh, it made me feel a very strong feeling. You know, it could be sadness, anger, euphoria, um, whatever. And I file that away. You know, it's like, Sometime I'm going to want to try to unpack that. You know, what did that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, why did I feel that? Is that significant in my life in some way? Um, and who knows, maybe five years from now I'll tell a story about this thing that made me feel this thing today. And uh, and that's, you know, it's really about connecting with people. You know, I want them to feel what I felt that time, you mm-hmm. know. And so... I guess not being a storyteller, not being someone who goes on, on stage to tell a story, 
I my perception was that you would kind of have an experience and I, I guess I didn't think about it as a feeling so much as a thing happened and I want to tell other people about a thing I guess I'm thinking more of a converse <laughs> like how do you take a conversation and make it into a story yeah so that's interesting to mm-hmm. um to have that different perspective it's it's I've heard songwriters and and uh, novelists talk about things like that similar where you have the experience and put it away for a while and then revisit it um, yeah, and how do you you kind of navigate that um, that feeling and that like digging deep into that moment and remembering it? Yeah. Like, how do you keep track? Well, it's not always this. You, not everything's a story, you know. It's um, to to craft a good story off of you know, like a true story. Mm-hmm. You um, you kind of have to change yourself. Like, if it's about you, like, how did I change during this? Um, because you you started out as one person at the beginning and maybe you're a different person at the end. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's where all my stories are. Mm. They're, it's like this journey through something I felt and, and how it changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there's a beginning, middle, and end that uh, make a good story. Other times... It's just an anecdote that goes off, floats off in the universe, and it doesn't ever really become a story. It might make a good little Instagram post or something, but <laughs> uh, not something that you would get on stage and tell a five-minute story about. Mm-hmm. And do you um, use your work to inspire your storytelling? Tell, can you tell us yeah. a little bit about, you know? Well, that's how my storytelling started. I came to Capabilities in 2000. 2012 um and took over capabilities farm and uh and i mean right away it's like it's a story every day there and very powerful lessons about what's important in life and what's important to different people and um i was at a moth slam as a spectator one night and um my friend talked me into putting my name in to tell a story um i thought she was nuts and I was like incredibly angry at her when my name got pulled um and I told a story about capabilities first story I ever told was about a guy named John who worked at the farm um and uh like I I truly connected with people that night um I mean it was non-stop at intermission of that show that that evening, people just wanted to know more about capabilities and wanted to understand, like what my day job was, and just it was it was a great lesson for me because I knew like this is how I'm going to make a difference for capabilities. I'm going to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have to do my job, like got to run this place, got to create jobs. But if I don't tell the story effectively, we're not going to make enough friends to make this work. And that's kind of how it all started. Mm. So, so you went in, you put your name in, and you didn't. Did you have anything in mind, or it got pulled, and then you were like, "Uh oh, I have to, yeah. <laughs> I have to figure <laughs> well, this out." And you did. The, it, or... the theme that night was happy, and I told a story about um, an employee I had who tragically died. So uh, maybe it didn't line up perfectly with the theme, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the uh, the story was. So I had written. Um, uh, somewhat of a memorial for this individual mm-hmm. a few months prior, so it was fresh in my mind, and I just winged it. It was 
was crazy. Like I still can't believe that night. It was a very important night to me. Um, and I felt, you know, like when you really connect with the audience, they bring you through it too. Like, you know, you know, when they're engaged with you. Um, so what, what was the question? Oh, I was that? just trying to figure out if, if somebody pulled my name out of oh, the hat yeah, and said, yeah. get on stage. Right. I don't, I think I would leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, I had no idea. Like I figured probably like, it's a moth slam. I figured a hundred people put their names in there and I, you know, I never win anything. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I still, I can't believe I did it. It was, um, you know, I had two drinks in me that helped. Um, but that's, uh. You know, that's history. Now it's much easier for me to get on stage after like 20 times. And do you, do you, were you a journaler? Were you a writer? Did you have this need to tell stories, maybe not on stage, maybe not to people before um, that happened? Um, I think that I was trying to write, just um, trying to write to remember. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I, Naturally, my life had a lot of stories that I thought were important to me, but also could be important to other people. So I did, you know, I'd started a blog right before that. I didn't really have it in my mind that I was going to tell stories to live audiences, but like that's that that's my medium. I know that's a much more effective medium for me than writing. Um, so now I I still do like to write, but I'm a much more effective storyteller in front of an audience than, you know, writing. It's become such an important medium. And it's, I find that I am so fascinated by storytellers and a good story that, um, that it's become like kind of this popular thing, like bringing story slams back and, and there are the moth and, um, and like digging down into like finding the inspiration to, to pull a story together. So if someone has an idea and, you know, wants to tell the story, like where do you begin? Um, so that is a really good question. The most important thing is to figure out if, if this is truly a story with that can have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to have a story arc, right? Just technically, you have to have that for it to be a, uh, a story. Um, and, you know, you have to be invested in it. Like the, the moth, they'll, they say all the time, like, you have to have a stake. Like, if you don't have any stake in what's happening, like, why is, why is this important to you? How are you going to change? Mm. So um, it really has to... Um, you have to have a personal investment in what happened and you got to be able to like end it Mm. like that's it's the worst stories I I mean I've heard some amazing and I'm like oh my god this is the most amazing story I've ever heard and they just can't end it and it's just like oh they're ruining it it's just going on because there really wasn't an ending because it was just an anecdote so how do you shape it like that? How do you, how do you take that a feeling, say, mm-hmm. or a transformation that you've gone through, and how do you shape that experience into having a beginning, middle, and end? Do you have to come up with the end first? I do. That's that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I can't figure out how to end the story so that people understand why the story was important, um, then I don't do it. 
Like, mm-hmm. um, so I start there. Uh, and I don't usually, like, I don't write out a whole story as to how I would tell it. I do write out the end and I write out the beginning um, so that I can get myself under control. Mm-hmm. Um, but the middle is more off of um, once I decide the order of how I'm going to tell things. That's, I won't say it's from the cuff because like I do practice it, but it's, it's not written out word for word. I don't, I don't memorize stories and I don't recommend people do memorize because you can hear that. Mm -hmm. You really can hear that when people are reciting a story. I would think it would be easy to get lost too, if you were trying to memorize. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were telling it from your heart, you know what your heart says. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the paper says all the time. And if right. you, you miss a wor- key word or something, you you might um, veer off or freeze. Totally. Or, yeah. yeah. Like the um, middle is kind of that creative freedom that you have. Right. right? And and you, you, you kind of feed off the audience, too. Uh, if they, at least I do, I mean, the, the most freeing thing for me when I'm telling <laughs> a story is when the audience laughs. At something, or someone has an audible gasp from like, "Oh my God, I can't believe he just said that," you know. Then I know, like, all right, now I'm really gonna drive this thing home, you know. Like, mm-hmm. they th- how do you stay focused with that? I mean, you don't get distracted if you hear somebody gasp or laugh, or like, you just keep going. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes, like. Sometimes I will change it a little bit on the fly. Like if someone, if I feel like the audience thinks that, um, like, for example, the tomato story with John who worked at the farm, they thought it was like hilarious that he hated flowers. Like he was such a tomato guy. So I hammered on how much he hammered on me about flowers. And like, it was hilarious. Like every time I said flowers, the audience was just like, oh my God, it's the flowers again, you know? So it's not completely changing the story. It's just kind of driving home that John hated flowers a little bit more. <laughs> you know? So, But the ending's so important yeah. because you got to have a place to get to, mm-hmm. right? And especially yeah. if you're doing story slams, you have most of the time five minutes with like a, maybe a minute grace. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you're going and have some kind of roadmap of how to get there, like you're just going to gonna not well and so same for the beginning how do you start it like there's stories that go on and on but like how do you find that beginning yeah uh i listen to a lot of stories and i know the beating the story i know what i don't like you know where i'm just like okay here we go give us an example okay this is just my opinion okay obviously because this is why you had me on um (laughs) When someone tells me the year, how old they were, exactly where they were right away, I just, it just sounds cliche to me, you know? Um, I, I think it's fine to drop that in, but um, I think stories that can live forever in time, you're like, oh, wow, that could happen right now. There are some stories where you have to have a sense of time and a sense of place. It's very important. Um, but the stories that can be told forever mm-hmm. that are independent of time, I just, those are the ones that I love the most. So if I can, if I can shape my story so that it doesn't have to happen in 1992, it could happen in 2012 or it could happen in 
2022. That's the way I try to do it. So uh, do you have memories of um, people telling you stories in your life? I, I had a high school teacher who would read to us. And he just was the most amazing, uh, he had mm. a wonderful voice, and he was very evocative with the way he read us the stories. Do you have a- anyone like that in your life who, who has influenced you? I had really great parents as far as telling stories. Uh, my mom was definitely full of crap and told a lot of stories <laughs> about <laughs> the Kennedys and, um, <laughs> you know, and, like famous people that she knew. Um all unverifiable uh but she was a good storyteller mm-hmm. and so i appreciated those and they're very memorable uh, my father had like a ridiculous upbringing he used to tell a lot of stories about growing up in the woods of maine and then going in the army so he could escape the woods of maine and just stories about being in the military and and those could he could have been full of crap too but he was much more believable in his delivery than my mom was <laughs> so, um so definitely my parents were very good storytellers mm-hmm. And who doesn't like listening to that person who just like start holds, you know, like is just holding the room by telling a good story. I mean, not to keep going back to the moth, but like people are drawn to stories like a moth to the flame. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so true. So tell us more about getting involved with the moth with the moth like how did that happen i know that a friend put your name in Mm -hmm. but why were you even there uh because i love the podcast um if anyone's interested in in learning more about storytelling the first thing you should do is just listen to some stories and the moth does it as well as anybody um so that podcast i'd been listening to for years Mm -hmm. um and uh, anybody can do a moth slam. They mm-hmm. do two a month in uh, in Boston. Uh, they're all over the country. So um, you don't always get pulled. And it's hard to get tickets for them. But if you can get tickets for them, which just a week before, you, you go on their website. And you can, if you're right there at the time, um, a week before, you can usually get tickets. And then you just put your name in. Um, like when you walk in, when you buy a ticket? or You buy the ticket to go mm-hmm. to the show when you walk in. You just have to sign a release and you put your form into usually a big bag and they just randomly pull them out through the night. They do 10 storytellers a night. Do you put your topic? No. They just pull your name. Yeah. And they'll say, a, James Barnes, get up on stage. It's your turn. They usually say, yeah, James Barnes from Harwich, Massachusetts. In, in Boston, when my name gets pulled and says Harwich, it always goes like this. James Barnes from... Harwich, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> because in Boston, it's always like Cambridge, Somerville, Boston. Da, 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 you know, so when they get, that's another thing why I like going to Boston to tell stories because I don't think that people hear a lot of, um, I don't know, rural America stories, which it's kind of hard to call Cape that, but compared to the urban, the loving. urban loving um, stories that you hear. It's it's nice to be that yeah. counterweight. Okay, so your name gets pulled. Mm-hmm. You get up there. Hopefully, you have a story in mind. Yeah. So you're sitting during the whole show. Yeah. Like, oh my god, am I going to be next? So <gasps> I actually hate the way they do it. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> you kind of want to know ahead of time, but they don't want you <clears throat> to practice ahead of time. I bet. Right. To your point about over rehearsing. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's just. I think. 
So they have curated shows too, where they have main stage events for the moth. Like they have storytellers that they line up, and you work with producers, and and actually with the Grand Slam, it's like that. So if you want a moth slam, you mm-hmm. go on a Grand Slam, so you know when you're going, you know, um, you have to rehearse your story with a producer. It's a much more um, involved process. So if they had to do stuff like that for story slams, it would just not really be cost prohibitive because they they need to generate so many stories. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know they're they put out so much content. Um, yeah. So you're up on stage. Mm-hmm. You give you you get up there. You give your story, and then is there a vote? Is there like oh is, yeah? Do you win? Right. So they do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, it's audience judges. So uh-huh. the producer of that show will go out in the audience and um, and go over like this is how you're supposed to judge the stories on these criteria. You know, are you on theme? Is it? Did they do it within the time limit? Five minutes with a one minute grace period. Um, did it have a beginning, middle, and end? Um, there's some other criteria that I can't remember at the moment, but um, and you know, so it's really random groups in the audience. Usually, it's like a group of three or five people mm-hmm. get to be one judge, and they give you numbers. Are they friends? Uh, it, it happens, unfortunately, yeah. you know. But I think if you're going to story slams with the goal of winning them. Um, you're kind of missing the point. Like, your goal should be to connect with people. If you win, it's fun. Like, winning's way better than losing, right, dude? But <laughs> um, it's still, um, it's done a lot for me just meeting. I had a guy join the Falmouth Road Race team from Capabilities who saw me at the Moth a couple years ago and and then and learned about Capabilities through a story I told Right, and then sign up to be on our Falmouth Road Race team, raised a bunch of money for capabilities. So, it's like it's such a good point because, I mean, I've seen artists talk about their work and really connect with a potential collector or buyer, and it makes a big difference if the artist is there and and able to talk about what inspired them by the piece. And it's that's all like the art of storytelling, Mm -hmm. the ability to connect with the person you're talking to, and it's. and to reflect back on that moment of in time when you created a piece or a moment in time as an artist where something's going to resonate with people. And so if you're out and talking about like st- incorporating capabilities in your stories, people are going to remember, you know, the mission of your organization as well as you as a professional and they're going to want to be part of that. So I think it's a really important yeah. I mean I've heard I've heard you say this too um about you know, people are buying the artists, right? Yeah. Just as much as they're buying the art. Um and yeah. if you can't effectively tell your story, it's going to be really hard to sell your art, right? Mm-hmm. I just I just think art is a form of story, any kind of art, right? Painting, mm-hmm. writing, uh getting on stage and telling a story like mm-hmm. it's your personal narrative in in a way like through all of it. Right. And I think the key is to be authentic, right? Oh yeah, be authentic and, and um How do and, we how do you do that, right? Like how do you how do you stay authentic well, without hey, being too like uh, you self know, Imagine imagine <laughs> this. Yeah. Tell the truth. You know? 
Right. You, Just you don't forget the truth. How right? powerful that is when you tell the truth. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's vul- that comes from vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're not willing to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. people, you're never going to connect with them on a meaningful level. Mm-hmm. So vulnerability. That's like rule number one in effective storytelling and being authentic. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to open up some of that stuff about yourself, good and bad, you know, it's, people are going to hear that. You know, they're going to know that you're performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a big difference between mm-hmm. that. It, do you give uh, workshops and classes and things on, on how to develop a story? When I get invited to the creative exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I consider myself an accidental storyteller. Um, like I know that I know I'm effective storyteller, and I'm I'm really good at connecting with people. So it's something that maybe down the road I would like to get into as a side hustle because I really do love my day job of mm-hmm. providing meaningful opportunities for people with disabilities across Cape Cod, mm-hmm. Hong Kong. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a plug for capabilities. Um, so, no, I don't currently do it, except for every once in a while I get invited to speak about storytelling. Um, so I want to go back to the moth, and I'm up on the stage, and I finish my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you ever won? Yeah. yeah. And what's that like? Uh, it feels really good to win. Okay. Yeah. What uh, do you win? Yeah, Stuff? That's the, that's kind of a joke with storytellers <laughs> of the moth. Like you don't even get a damn T-shirt. You what do you win? Well, if you win a a story slam, then you get the chance to compete in the grand slam, which is held. So the story slam, the moth slams, are in smaller venues typically, like the Oberon in Cambridge, or um, Laugh Boston. It's at you know near the convention center. Um, the Grand Slam is in like the Wang or mm-hmm. uh, Somerville Theater. What's um, the difference? The Cutler. What's the difference in audience size, like uh, from this couple hundred to like fifteen hundred to a couple thousand? Oh my God! Yeah, I mean it's so the Grand. I've only been in one Grand Slam. That was at uh, the Somerville Theater, and I was like, wow, this is like this is much different than telling a story at a you know comedy club. Mm. but really fun when it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it, so why is it so fun? I want to dig deep into, like, why is it fun? Like, why do we care about your story? Like, why do people care? Well, so why it's fun for the storyteller is, like, you get the chance to connect with 1,500 people Mm -hmm. all at once, you know? Like, and... I think people that listen to long-form storytelling or try to, I mean, um, it's also an exercise in listening. You know, it's an exercise Mm -hmm. for the people listening to the story just as much as it is for the storyteller trying to connect with those people. Because we've all, I mean, audiobooks, right? You've listened to audiobooks and you're like, oh, crap, I need to rewind this thing like two chapters because I wasn't really listening to it. Um, It's it's really easy to tune out, especially now. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're all like have um, brain injuries from our smartphones it's just really hard to stay connected and focused so a really great storyteller and a really engaged audience i mean that's like it's magic you know it's like pure there's not a lot like that out there anymore Mm -hmm. 
How has it changed you? you? You said that you tell stories about things that have changed you, but how has telling the stories changed you as a person? I think it's made me a more comfortable person in like my identity. Um, so again, about storytelling being like you're you're trying to understand what happened, you're unpacking it, you're unraveling it, however, whatever you know metaphor you want to use. It's um, so once you understand, like, geez, why did I behave that way? Why did I feel that way? I just think you get more comfortable with yourself. Um, I know I did, like. I used to be horribly nervous in front of people. I still am, like one on one or like at a networking event. Like I don't present like I'm a nervous wreck, but I am. Like I really have a hard time with it. Um, but I don't have a hard time talking in front of a large audience. Um, I don't know because I just I'm very comfortable with what I'm going to say, even though it's going to be vulnerable. Like it's me. I don't really, I don't have anything to hide. And um, I think there, usually what happens is someone after I tell a story, usually multiple people will come up and say like how they had a similar story, like a similar thing happened to them. Talking about depression, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, it's stigmatized and um, people have a really hard time talking about it. And, but um, when I have talked about struggling with depression, I always meet people that are either going through that struggle or um, want to tell me how they got through it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I just, so yeah, understanding. Mm. And you and I have had this conversation about what not to talk about. And I think that's kind of important. So we've talked about, right? Like the, give me an example because. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you said once about, um, don't talk about an open wound. Oh yeah. Right? Well, there's a, yeah. Open. Don't talk about <laughs> open wounds. Um, uh, yeah. It's if you're like really angry and you're gonna or upset about something. You know, another mothism. Like, tell your stories about scars, not wounds, right? Because like, if you're gonna go up there and and attack someone, or I mean, you're going to embarrass yourself. You know, you're going to sound petty. You're going to sound mm-hmm. angry. And people are not, you're not going to connect with people the same way as if you're like coming to that understanding about what happened. You know, mm-hmm. the relationship ended because we weren't meant to be together. The relationship didn't end because she was an unreasonable hootie who. Right. Right. Because nobody wants to hear that. Right. Like, and it's just mean. Like, that should be the first rule when you're going to tell a story. Like be kind to the people in your story, even even if you're you are angry with them, you know. It's it sounds like the difference between um, maybe writing a comedy routine where you'd be more caustic, right, and telling a story where you're trying to find an emotional balance. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not stand up comedy. Um, it's even it's a, it's not poetry either. Like one of. The, <laughs> One of the things that um, it, I mean, it can be poetry. Poetry can be storytelling, but not all storytelling is poetry. Um, and that's a, a big pet peeve of mine. Like, oh yeah, are you still doing your your poetry slams? And I'm like, oh. Uh, other things like that you don't want to do. Like you shouldn't. You should be careful about using 
people's real names in your stories mm -hmm. like if you don't have their approval to do so mm -hmm. um sometimes sometimes there's no getting away getting around that but um you you are so the story is about you but if you start making the story about other people you need to be um very respectful in how you include other people into your story because your story may not be theirs and they may not want it to be theirs mm different perception. And it can be tricky, you know, mm. like, especially if you're going to change someone's name and then you're going to tell a story, you better make sure that you don't like revert back to their real name in the story, which is very easy to do. Or probably be too revealing about other facts. Oh, yeah. About them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just be careful. Be kind when you can. And and if you're not going to be very kind, don't, don't air some person stuff to everybody else right so just to kind of talk a little bit about the structure of the story because i know that james was with us at the creative exchange live events for the past couple of um of events uh of uh conferences and um it was always backed by the last one you were backed by popular demand people really wanted to better understand like how to position a story and how mm. to have the courage. And I think we talked a little bit about that. And we talked a little bit about um, the skills and the structure. But I, I'd love to just kind of dig a little deeper into that. You know, so you, the first step is to you have your ending. So yeah. you have a memorized so you, ending. I would, I would write out your beginning and your end. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there are a lot of different ways to go about this. This mm -hmm. is the way I have to go about it. Mm -hmm. Write out your beginning and your end. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the freedom to tell the story um, from the heart, right? Um, from the beginning to the end, but just make sure that you know how you're going to start. Because you got to calm yourself down too. If you once you're like actually telling the story to an audience. Having that beginning part memorized, taking a breath before you start delivering it, like just your first few lines. Do you do know. power poses? <laughs> As it happens, I do. <laughs> Thank you, Amy Cuddy. Um, yeah, uh, I talk a lot with my hands, and I do a lot of power posing. Um, and if you're not familiar with what a power pose is, because this is a podcast, hands on the hips. And you think and very that helps. open, very open to the audience. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know so, this. Oh, go ahead. But you want to you yeah. want to go through the other things because yeah, I feel yeah. like at the Creative Exchange Live, I felt like, oh man, like we didn't talk enough about the structure, the structure of the yeah. story, right? People really wanted and, to know. And we did. We've talked a little bit about that yeah. today. Mm -hmm. With you know, uh, write out your beginning, and your end. Mm -hmm. or, you know, memorize your beginning and your end. Um, have have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure the story is about you. Um, there are different, there are different times where you know you are making a story about somebody else, but that's not the kind of storytelling that that I do. It's mm -hmm. it's things that have happened to you. Mm -hmm. um, and keep in mind how have, how have you changed through the course of this story? Like that can that can really help you guide you through how do I? Because so much stuff happens, right? Like. Mm. You can take, I mean, I've told stories that took, that were over years, and I told them in five minutes. And I've told stories that happened over a couple of hours, and I had the same amount of time to tell those very different timelines. 
Um, so if you think about trying to explain how you change through that story, that will really help you with what content to put in the story so that you can get to your end. Mm -hmm. And how important are the details? How detailed do you get? I think uh, it's, you know, it's, it's tricky because like if you, again, if you have five minutes, mm -hmm. um, I think more detail so that you can bring people in. I don't think I'll tell stories over, I won't try to tell as many stories that last go over years mm -hmm. um, as I used to because um, I, I'm really more into bringing you into the moment and sitting there and taking a bath in that for as long as possible. That, you know, going back to that feeling that made me, was the catalyst for telling the story. Um, that to me is the most important thing. And there's always that, I guess, climax you could call it in, in story. You know, that's like, mm -hmm. it's like the peak of your story arc. Um, so I like to sit in that mm -hmm. and more details help you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like how the snow was melting on your face when you were sitting in that sled, realizing that you wanted to be home, you know, like that's, that's the kind of stuff where people, then they put themselves in that sled because everybody knows that feeling, right? When you're sitting mm -hmm. in a snowstorm and the snow's melting on your face, like it's magic. So you, you got to have some of that in the story to really bring people in. Mm -hmm. And like self-reflection. Yeah, self-reflection is it's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where do you begin? Amy, you going to do a story slam? I'm not. Well, actually, <laughs> I heard you are though. Yeah, I am doing one. Um, <laughs> tomorrow. Yep. Tomorrow night. So when when this airs, you'll have already done your first story. If I don't pass out before I, my name's called. <laughs> so I'm wondering, should have you memorized your first few lines of the story? Um, I have. You wanna you wanna, you wanna hit them with us? Nobody will hear it until after you've already presented. So here's a I'm rehearsal I'm still for working you. it out, actually. I have my ending down, and I have my middle, like, down. The beginning is has really been the biggest struggle because, and I think, you know, I've been picking your brain over this, and mine is, like, a period of time. My story is about a period of time. And so I instantly went to that, place of, you know, oh, I was this age and, you know, it was this year. But then when I, when you asked me, is that really relevant to the story? And it really wasn't. It could have, it could have been last week. Um, so it's, so my, so I'm really struggling with getting those details in place where people are, like you always open up a story with this like one liner that makes everybody kind of grabs the attention. And so I am like agonizing over my, you know, my one thing. And so the only thing I have right now <laughs> is this is a story about my first big job. Okay. So that's my first sentence. And I like that story. You like it? I do. Oh, okay. Be I think that um, people run away from that kind of opener. Uh -huh. um, How come? Because they think they it needs to start with once upon a time or something like that. Mm. Um, 
that's the last story that I did in a story slam was this story is about why I don't eat pot cookies. Yeah, I think I stole it from you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but but that line that you just said, everybody, any adult, anyone over 14 can relate to that. So what you're saying is is true. Like, depending on how old you are, Mm -hmm. your first big job changes. Mm -hmm. So that's that's relatable. And I can see how uh, not needing to know your age or your location, it's sort of a universal thing that everybody feels. I immediately was like... (gasps) I get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's just like, yeah. geez, I wonder what. Yeah, what was what, it? Yeah. What happened? And I wonder what a big job is to you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> now that you're, you know, big Miss Banty Pants Arts Foundation Executive Director, what, what was a big job before? Well, it's been a long <laughs> road. Long, winding road. Every job got better. Every experience got better. But it was fun thinking about, you know, I've told this story a bunch of times to friends. And um, when the opportunity came up for the Story Slam, it was kind of a really good fit because it's called near. I mean, mean, the theme is uh, for the Story Slam that we're going to do tomorrow night uh, is near misses. And so it just like coincidentally worked. And um so I'm I'm very nervous about it, and I I feel a little jittery over it. Um, so I've invited friends to make sure I can look at them, and I'm going to practice some power posing. Yeah, they they better not. You're. I hope they're they the better judges. Not do a, 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 <laughs> you're definitely going to win crowd favorite tomorrow because you're going to have so many of your friends there. But. <laughs> and that's so interesting because I wouldn't tell anyone that I knew that I was doing it. I, if my friends there would make me so nervous. Yeah. I would do much better with a group of people that I have never seen before. I completely agree with you, Amy. 100%. Like, I borderline hate telling stories on Cape Cod. Because <laughs> you know everyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's like way more vulnerable Mm-hmm. Than going to Boston, where you know you're just well, no, but that was your instinct, your feeling. That I think it's what James right, right. is saying about storytelling. Yeah, it I'm has really to be scared. about you. Sorry, <laughs> no, but but that was your instinct. Was you need the support system? So it's I just would a back out. Personality. I would back out, and I didn't. I really feel um, strongly about this year honing in on some of my public speaking skills and ability to connect with people about who I am as a person and not just the Arts Foundation, but um, just who I am as a person in the community. And, uh, you know, we talked about the, you know, connecting with people and, you know, through work or life experiences. And so it's a it's a good one that you know, it's it's a little unexpected, I think. Um, so I invited friends because I felt like I was going to back out. So I so I committed publicly to doing it. And, um, you know, I have to get a really good night's rest tonight. I <laughs> drink a lot of water and not over practice. Right. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to the authenticity component. Mm-hmm. I think if you practice your story too much, you end up reciting it more than telling it. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to the place where, you know, like I'm in the office because I actually just a couple of weeks ago was in the office at the Arts Foundation and 
um, something came up that made me remember the story. And I started to tell the story to a couple of colleagues. And they were, they just, they, I'm not going to tell you the reaction because I don't want to give the story away. But um, they were like, that's like a good story. And so. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're smart not to give it away, though. I don't want to give it away. So, um, so it's, if I can get back to that comfort level of like looking at those two people who are in my office who say that they're going to be there tomorrow night. (laughs) Right, Emma? Um, That if I can look at them and tell the story the way I told the story uh, in the office is kind of my goal is to just be myself. Yeah, be yourself. But you might tell the story a little bit differently. But you're still going to have the same ending, uh, Mm -hmm. probably the same beginning. And you tell it a little bit differently because, you know, you have – Five minutes to tell a story about something that happened to you. I believe the time period is a, a one day, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened that day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're going to have to tell me when we stop recording. I'll, I'll practice the story on okay. you. All right. Maybe. James says I shouldn't do that anymore. Just remember, <laughs> land the plane. <laughs> That's true. Um, right, land the plane. Land the plane, meaning end the story. Yeah. And also, don't be afraid to swear. (laughs) And, you know, the other piece of advice you gave me was don't make it. It's not a comedy routine. So don't deliver the punchline. No. So don't make it a punchline ending. Don't end a story on a punchline because people are left feeling like, what just happened? Yeah. Was I supposed to laugh? Uh, I didn't uh, think uh, it was uh, funny. uh, Yeah. Oh, it's over. So, yeah. So um, by the time this airs... I would have done. I will have done my first story slam, so I'm I'm excited. I've been very inspired by your work, James. Oh, so thank you. I appreciate all the um, means a lot stories. Me. Yeah, that you've shared. I I want to know if the uh, tomatoes are <laughs> happier when they arrive on my plate. If you're telling them stories while they're growing. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, our tomatoes at Capabilities Farm bear witness to very many things. Um, so they are very, um, they've heard a lot. They've seen a lot. Hmm. And I, I think if you hear a lot of people's stories, you're probably happier. Well, James, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you sharing your story and your, your knowledge of crafting a story. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm feeling better about tomorrow night. <laughs> You still got time to do a couple more lines. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, and thank you again to today's guest, storyteller and director of social enterprise and capabilities, James Barnes. I'm Amy Davies, executive director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, executive director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, arts matter. Support for the Creative Exchange podcast is made possible by Delbrook JKS. The Creative Exchange podcast is all about celebrating the artistic process on Cape Cod and connecting creatives. That's right, Julie. And as part of that, we'd like to invite you to a Creative Exchange live event here at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. 
On May 30th, 2019 at 5.30, Amy and I are bringing back some of this season's guests for a live panel discussion. Come connect with other listeners, meet podcast guests, and celebrate the arts community. Mark your calendars and visit artsfoundation.org slash creative exchange for details and updates. See you there. See you there. Music for the Creative Exchange podcast is the work of Jordan Renzi. Produced in association with Billingsgate Records by Jordan Renzi and Andrew Staker at Big Red Studios in Wellfleet. The Creative Exchange podcast is brought to you by the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, Provincetown Community Television, and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. In the desert, to the oasis, this time I'm not no this time, and this time there's no mistake, no this time. This time I'm not afraid. No, this time.